Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion. We run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsadai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Well, hey there, San Francisco. If you're looking for some delicious late-night food, I suggest you mosey on down to Bender's Bar. Inside, you can find counter-offer, and my offering you amazing late-night food and snacks. Try the chicken biscuit. It's like your stomach's in a tasty tornado. They have exceptionally great daily ground sustainable burgers with sides of tater tots, grilled asparagus, and delicious zucchini and creamy-licious mac and cheese. You like tacos? They got them. And from the specials, very deep fried fish sandwich to a stoner burger with a donut bun. What are those crazy potheads going to come up with next? Go to the counter offer inside of Brenda's Bar at 800 South Van Ness Avenue, San Francisco. It's located between 19th Street and 20th Street in the Mission District. Open seven nights a week from 5 to 10 p.m. or later. Counter offer, son. could be happier than 23 comics doing jokes for each other and at a radio listening audience puppets kittens unicorns porn maybe oh well stage time makes them happy and this super happy comedy open mic is open every friday from 6 to 8 p.m but you can also listen anytime by downloading the podcast at mutiny radio fm index at podcasts.pcrcollective.org so come live or listen later or 
to every happy hour mic Friday from 6 to 8 p.m. at Radio FL Mutiny Radio. I just fucked that up again. What the fuck is wrong with me? Yeah! I got it. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Alabama's got me so upset Tennessee made me lose my rest Everybody knows about Mississippi Goddamn Alabama's got me so upset Lurleen Wallace has made me lose my rest Everybody knows about Mississippi Goddamn Can't you see it? I know you can feel it all in the air I can't stand the pressure much longer Somebody say a prayer Alabama has got me so upset And Memphis has made me lose my rest Everybody knows about Mississippi God Hound dogs on my trail Little school children sitting in jail Black cat cross my path I think every day's gonna be my last Lord have mercy on this land of mine We all gonna get it in due time Cause I don't belong here, I don't belong there I've even stopped believing in prayer 
him because he believed it. He lived by it. But you lied to me all the years. You told me to wash and clean my ears and talk real fine just like a lady and you stopped calling my mama and said it. That, of course, was Miss Nina Simone. It should uh, give you the hint. 
that you're tuned to Mutiny Radio, and the program is Labor and Love. Good morning. This is The Bee, your host on our weekly labor magazine. <clears throat> All you labor fans out there who get up early on Saturday, we'll be together for the next uh, couple hours with labor news and social justice for the Bay and Beyond Mutiny Radio. That, of course, was Nina Simone. Let's listen to a white boy, white boy and a white man, a couple of white boys singing about their work life. Here's Bob Dylan. Preachers come out every night I try to tell you what's wrong and what's right But when asked about something to eat uh, They will answer in voices so sweet You will eat, you will eat by and by In that glorious land in the sky Way up high, work and pray Live on hay, uh, you get by Die when you die, that's the lie. The starvation army they play, and they shout and they clap and they pray. Uh, when they got all your coins on the drum, uh, they will tell you when you're on the 
Welcome to Labor and Love. Uh, that, of course, was Utah Phillips with uh, his version of a Joe Hill song, You Will Eat By and By, The Preacher and the Slave, it's called. And um, like I said, it was written by Joe Hill and sung by Utah Phillips. And Utah Phillips, uh, we're celebrating the death of Utah this week I believe have to check that out Utah Phillips a giant in labor labor culture working people's culture um, before that we had Bob Dylan Bob Dylan was and in his subterranean homesick blues is singing about uh, the life of a young uh, well, let's assume white kid, middle class kid, lower middle class kid, working class kid, and the choices that uh, that he has. Labor and love, the show where we tell you how it is. If one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, another person worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the negotiating table, if you don't have a representative there, you're going to be on the menu. You can bet on that. And never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Amazing thing happened this week. The a people's movement, a community-based movement, allied with some of the uh, supervisors on the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, had demanded the the resignation of Chief Greg Sewer because of repeated incidents of officers shooting people in cold blood or shooting people when they didn't need to. One guy had 59 bullets in him, another guy had 40 bullets in him. 
this had just gotten to the point where it was too much. And the chief, of course, is the, uh, the buck stops here. That's, that's how it's supposed to be. So people uh, had sat in, five people had gone on hunger strikes. And uh, Chief Sir was removed this week. An amazing, an amazing, amazing thing. Let's see if we can uh, get a report on that. Chief Greg Sewer out as San Francisco Police Chief. This is uh, Russian TV's report. months of public scrutiny over, quote, the use of force tactics and scandal within the department. The announcement comes on the heels of another fatal police shooting this week, the third in six months. Under SIRS management, officers have been accused of violating citizens' civil, civil rights, exchanging racist text messages, and the list goes on. RT correspondent Brigida Santos joins me now live from our Los Angeles studio. studio. Uh, hi, Brigida. So the, the chiefs, uh, ousting is a change of tone for uh, Mayor Ed Lee, who stated only a week ago that he had no intentions of firing, sir. So what happened in the past week? That's right, Manila. So yesterday, two local Bayview police officers were in pursuit of a 27-year-old African-American woman. Now, at the time, she had allegedly been fleeing in a stolen vehicle. She crashed into a truck, and at that time, the two officers approached her on foot. A witness saw some sort of verbal exchange go back and forth between the officers and the woman before one of the officers took out a gun and shot her. Now, this is an unfolding investigation, so we don't yet know her name that has not yet been released least, but we do know that she died. And as you mentioned, we know that this is the third fatal police shooting in six months, beginning with the shooting of 26-year-old Mario Woods last December, and then followed by the fatal shooting of a 45-year-old homeless man last month, uh, Luis Gangora. Now, people have been protesting and demanding that Mayor Ed Lee fire Greg Sir for over a year now, not only for these shootings, but also, as you mentioned, for the exchange of those racist text messages, those homo homophobic uh, exchanges also that have gone uh, back and forth between officers under SIRS management. Now, Mayor Ed Lee last week, as you mentioned, did say that he had no intention of firing SIR. However, the killing of an unarmed black woman was apparently the last straw. So take a listen to his press conference yesterday in which he made the announcement. The progress that we've made has been meaningful, but it hasn't been fast enough, not for me and not for Greg. And that's why I have asked Chief Sir for his resignation. All right, Greg Sir is out, as we just heard. Who will act as police chief for now? And where's the department now in terms of, of reforming the problems? So Deputy Chief Tony Chaplin, who is the second in line for this position, will now take over for Greg Sir. Now, Chaplin is a 26-year veteran with the department. He's also an African-American man and has already been implementing uh, actions toward taking reform. In fact, he has already established the department's new Professional Standards and Principal Policing Bureau, which will implement accountability and uh, transparency practices across the department. But in terms of other reforms, we have yet 
to see those because the blue ribbon panel is still reviewing that. They plan to announce their official recommendations uh, within the next month. And we haven't yet seen the San Francisco Police Department take steps to show that they're serious about implementing reforms until now. So on paper, Tony Chaplin looks like a good choice, but it remains to be seen whether or not he will actually be able to get the department to uh, reform itself. Manila. All right. Thank you so much for that update. That was RT correspondent Brigida Santos reporting from our Los Angeles studio. That was, uh, yeah, from Russian TV. Uh, what they didn't mention there was that for over a year now, there's been tremendous outflow of, of uh, people people demanding the the resignation of sewer now they're demanding that uh, to impeach mayor lee that uh, something has changed something has changed or something has gone back to the days in the 60s and 70s and 80s where people really put time into changing their community and working together to do that this is a police chief who was fired because of community pressure, because of community action. People stood up. People went hungry. People did all kinds of things to demonstrate that this had to happen. So Ed Lee is saying, well, you know, he was okay. He was a good guy. There are people on the board of supervisors who say, yeah, Greg Sir was a good guy, you know, the, this culture within the police department uh, didn't begin with him and it won't end with him. Okay, we all know that. So this is what Malcolm X said about it. This is from uh, one of his speeches. There were people in Harlem fighting hard for a long time to get that hospital built. Had a hard time getting the white man even to start it. Then when they finally started on it, and there's nothing you need in Harlem more than a hospital, because you're sick and you just got cut, or you're just getting ready to cut someone else. And we needed that hospital. So all these people had a brain, brainstorm. They got up there and picketed and demonstrated, and the white man took away all the workers, stopped to work. As someone said earlier this afternoon, they're still being paid and the hospital is not going up. Your money, the money you pay out in taxes, is, is paying the white construction workers who are sitting at home doing nothing. This is some brainstorm that someone got off the track on when they tried to stop the construction of the hospital in Brooklyn, couldn't stop it. So that hospital is for white people, primarily, and you are not going to stop construction where the white man is to benefit. The only thing you're going to stop is something right here in Harlem. But what really stopped the work up there, too many of y'all was out there, and the white man is free to you. As long as the line up there was, uh, Cora originally started the picketing, and there were more whites picketing than, than blacks. Nobody was worried. Plus, they started picketing on a cool day, and our people don't come out when it's cool. It was on a Wednesday, I think, and it was cool. And then on a Thursday, 
Everybody came out there. They weren't demonstrating, but they came out there as spectators. And when all these black people uh, as spectators began to stand there and watch, they were afraid because they knew that with the picketers uh, picketing, any little thing could happen. And even though you don't want to integrate, if the white man started beating some integrationist heads across the street, you couldn't stand there and watch it. Your nature wouldn't let you do it. And this is what would make you explode. He knows that. So he stopped the building of the hospital, but they have not been successful in bringing a halt to any other construction in the city of New York outside of Harlem. So if they really meant good, they could have stopped that building over there in uh, Brooklyn. That you can bring a halt to all the construction in New York City if those preachers are really for real. All they got to do is take all their congregations and take them down to Times Square. Tie it up. Now, I'm not talking Muslims aren't going to do this, but go and do something. And don't care what it costs. Don't care what the penalty or the price is. When you know you're right, you're right. And if you're not willing to go all the way, don't even start. Get on out of the line. Get on out of the battle. And that's another reason why we don't pick it with you. As Reverend said, we're not nonviolent. We have demonstrated. We pull a demonstration. But when we demonstrate, if you ever see us fall out in a demonstration, we are ready to die or we're ready to see that someone else dies. I don't mean no turn the other cheek. This is the only reason that we don't become involved in these nonviolent demonstrations. It's not fair to walk up to a man nonviolently and he got a club in his hand. You're out of your mind. So you should check and find out what started, what stopped. Who is behind? And one of the leading men I saw out that day, out there that day, was a white man named Herbert Hill. Herbert Hill is the labor secretary for NAACP. Now, Herbert Hill, a white man holding a top position in the NAACP, can come to Harlem and stop the building of a hospital that, for the benefit of black people, if that white liberal really has your welfare at heart, let him go downtown and stop some of these other construction site. And until these white liberals, or white people, who call themselves liberals, can go into their own neighborhood and stop construction, don't let them come in Harlem and start telling you what to do. No, when you want them, if they want some action, you give them some action. And you'll bring about a change in your hold in the entire direction of your program and of your struggle, and you'll get a job done. We want every black man and woman to have freedom, the freedom to accept or reject being separated from the slave master's children and establish a land of our own. And this is what he says. Give all of us freedom of choice. First, give every one of the 20 million black people in this country an opportunity to hear the truth. Let them be taught the truth about the white man and the truth about the black man. Let them be taught the truth about God and the truth about the devil. Let them be taught the truth about heaven and the truth about hell. And once they know the truth, then give them a chance to make a decision. But don't take this poor, dumb, deaf and blind, ignorant, brainwashed, so-called Negro and ask him what he wants. He doesn't know what he wants. And because he doesn't know what he wants, he tries to integrate with a blue-eyed wolf. Don't you know anytime you see some sheep trying to integrate with wolves, those sheep are sick. Those sheep are out of their mind. And a sheep got more chance with... Malcolm X talking about police brutality 
and uh, <clears throat> the black community, the kind of thing that got uh, Chief Sewer fired. Let's see if we can get the end of that. This, this is uh, Malcolm X, whose uh, birthday we're celebrating. May 19th, 1925. Malcolm X. Let's see if we can get back to where we were. Here we go. Freedom of choice. First, give every one of the 20 million black people in this country an opportunity to hear the truth. Let them be taught the truth about the white man and the truth about the black man. Let them be taught the truth about God and the truth about the devil. Let them be taught the truth about heaven and the truth about hell. And once they know the truth, then give them a chance to make a decision. But don't take this poor, dumb, deaf and blind, ignorant, brainwashed, so-called Negro and ask him what he wants. He doesn't know what he wants. And because he doesn't know what he wants, he tries to integrate with a blue-eyed wolf. Don't you know anytime you see some sheep, trying to integrate with wolves, those sheep are sick. Those sheep are out of their mind. And a sheep got more chance with a wolf than you got integrated with a white man. Why a wolf can't be as hot on a sheep as the white man has been on you here in America. We want an immediate end to the police brutality and mob attacks against the so-called Negro throughout the United States. Yes. A complete end to the police brutality and mob attacks that our people are confronted by every single day, every single week, every single month, every single year across the land. Brother, show me those. You got those pictures? Brother, grab that picture of Brother Ronald. Let me show you what I mean by police brutality and mob attacks. Come over here with that. Here is a man, a Korean vet. This is a black man, a Korean vet, went to war in Korea fighting for America, risked his life fighting for America, and came back to this country and was shot down by the white man like a dog. Not some Ku Klux Klansman down in Mississippi. This black man was shot through the heart by policemen in Los Angeles, California. And they are dumb enough to think we have forgotten it. We are Muslim, never forget. You don't kill our brother. We don't never forget. You don't shoot one of us and then grin in our face. You don't shoot one of us and then shake our hands and think we forget it. No, we never forget. We'll never forget. Someone has to pay. Somewhere, somehow, someone has to pay. When a snake bites your children, you don't go and look for the snake that has blood on his jaws. Any old snake will do. Any old snake will do. They shot him through the heart. And as he lay dying on the sidewalk, they beat that hole in his head with police clubs. Not in Mississippi, but in Los Angeles, California. Not in the South, right there in the North, in the West. Here it shows, here it shows. Men, black men, laid all over the sidewalk, shot down by police bullets. Not men who were guilty of some crime. Not men who were drunk. Not men who attacked anyone. But they shot their way into our mosque. 
blast their way into our religious sanctuary and got the audacity to walk around here talking about this is a country based upon uh, the principles of freedom of religion and freedom of worship and freedom of speech. Okay, Malcolm X there, <clears throat> talking about police brutality. Malcolm X, May 19th, 1925, the prophet whose work and observations are so far ahead of their time still. Malcolm X, who said, a segregated school isn't, doesn't just mean that uh, it's all black or it's all white. A segregated school is any school, any school that is controlled by people who have no interest in it whatsoever. Any school that is controlled by people who have no interest in the kids. Oh yeah, a lot of people are interested in the kids' test scores. But Malcolm charted out this territory it's not just about racial segregation, say, in the South or de facto segregation all over the country. It's about control of schools. Who controls the school where your kid is going? Is it some corporation? How can those corporate heads care about your kid or how can they care about kids more than their teachers or more than their parents? Well, they can't. So, also we have Utah Phillips. Utah Phillips' birthday, May 15th, 1935. Utah Phillips died a year or so ago. We'll play a little bit more of Utah. And also... Uh, Bob Dylan on May 6th. Uh, let's listen now to our radio labor news reports, both uh, local. As you know, as I hope you know, there's a big strike involving 40,000 people against the Verizon Corporation. We'll read a little bit more about that later, but Verizon basically wants the right to move people, to tell you that you've got to go and live somewhere else for two months. You've got to leave your home and go and live somewhere else for two months. Well, of course, you're going to have to pay for a motel while you're working in the other place. Of course, you're going to miss your family. But... That doesn't matter to Verizon. Verizon wants to be able to use workers in that way. Okay, let's listen up. This is uh, Workers International News. Workers Independent News, we can review. I'm Doug Cunningham. A new labor rule expanding overtime pay to 4.2 million workers has been finalized by the U.S. Labor Department. The rule affecting salaried workers raises the income threshold for overtime eligibility from $23,660 to $47,476 per year. Now, the rule change is allowed under the Fair Labor Standards Act, which was designed in part to protect workers from being worked long hours without overtime pay. 
UAW President Dennis Williams says once the Auto Workers Union endorses a presidential candidate, it will be all in with support. But that endorsement hasn't come yet, and Williams is not sure whether the UAW will endorse before the California primary. And the UAW president stressed the need for unity, both within the Democratic Party and in Congress, and he says the electorate is in no mood for run-of-the-mill politics. Conservatism, the way that it has been pawned in Washington, D.C., is not going to be tolerated anymore. A Congress that does not know how to work together in the best interests of this country is not going to be tolerated anymore. And I think all of our congressional leaders, both parties, and all of our senators better start recognizing that. Because there's a mood out there that I think should be pretty sobering to everybody. The CWA and IBEW have agreed to accept the help of a federal mediator in efforts to resolve the Verizon strike. The unions represent roughly 39,000 striking workers. Mediation meetings will be held in Washington, D.C., following a Tuesday meeting with U.S. Labor Secretary Tom Perez. Verizon and the unions have agreed not to speak publicly about the strike while these mediation sessions are being held. As a citizen, I don't ever want to give up my rights to a trial by jury or to my judicial system, period. Former WeWork employee Tara Zumer on why she's fighting back against a forced arbitration agreement imposed on WeWork employees. When Tara refused to sign the waiver of her legal rights, WeWork fired her. So she's fighting that firing and other alleged violations of labor law by WeWork. She says she is determined to do all she can to continue to fight to assert her labor rights and her right to recourse in the judicial system. By signing this, you're giving away your ability to fight back later really. And this is just a privatization of the court system, ultimately. So I urge everyone to just fight back and stand up for yourself. According to federal court testimony from a former Wisconsin State Senate staffer, Republicans were giddy about their voter ID law suppressing the vote in Democratic strongholds and in college towns in Wisconsin. Todd Albaugh testified that State Senator Mary Lozick argued in support of the voter ID law by urging fellow Republicans to consider its impact in Democratic strongholds of Milwaukee and at Wisconsin college campuses. Wisconsin Congressman Glenn Grothman, a former state senator, said he supported voter ID because it would help Republicans win elections. Workers' independent news provided by Diversified Media Enterprises. I'm Doug Cunningham. Okay, there it is. Uh, two politicians in Wisconsin come out and say it, what we always knew. The aim of the Republican Party is to suppress voters because the majority of those voters around, for example, the University of Wisconsin or in working class neighborhoods, the majority of those voters are going to vote Democratic. Same with what happened to ACORN. ACORN was registering voters and Republicans claimed that they were just registering Democratic voters. Well, I think the reason they were doing that was because there weren't that very many Republican voters uh, out there. Anyway, we'll see. The, the power elite always tries to find ways to suppress the voice of the people. Always tries to find ways to break our democracy down into a situation where you're only voting. That's your only way of expressing your will and ultimately they figure they've figured out ways to make that vote count or not not, not count at all 
to keep people from voting instead of encouraging them to suppress people's opinions and suppress people's voice rather than encouraging it. To them, democracy is kind of like a, a very formal kind of exercise involved in pulling a lever and then going home, shutting up and going, going uh, shopping or something. Okay, to follow that one up, we've got um, Radio Labor, a worldwide labor program. This is Solidarity News on Radio Labor. This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on Friday, May 20th, 2016. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, union representatives go to a border crossing in Palestine to help truckers with the long waits. Global unemployment is stalling the UN's goal of eradicating poverty by 2030. And the Labor Start report about union events around the world. This is Radio Labor. The importance of young workers learning about and supporting labor projects around the world was highlighted recently when the International Transport Workers Federation conducted a field trip to Palestine. The ITF is a global union federation of 700 unions, which represents some 4.5 million workers in 150 countries. Four young unionists participated in the field trip to a border crossing between Palestine and Israel. The ITF, supported by a number of unions has been conducting a project for truckers at the Irta border crossing. The project was launched to provide Palestinian drivers with access to refreshments, toilet facilities, shade, and union meeting spaces while they sit through long delays at the crossing. Participating in the field trip were young unionists from Unite, the union in the UK, Unifor, Canada's largest private sector union, MUA, the Maritime Union of Australia, and Satawu, the South African Transport and Allied Workers Union. In Palestine, the group's work was supported by the General Union of Palestine Transport Workers. I contacted the group just after its visit to the border crossing to find out why their unions thought it important to send representatives to Palestine and what lessons they had learned. I talked first to Andrew Denaila from South Africa, Sitawu. I've learned that uh, the most important thing to the labor movement is uh, the freedom to organize, the freedom to, uh, to, to unionize, the freedom to, as an organization, operate without interference of law, because that takes away some of the responsibilities or perhaps the privilege that you have to be able to represent your workers pretty well. So freedom of, of organizing, freedom of being able to unionize and do your, your work as a labor movement, that is very critical to us, the work that we do. Dan Crumlin from the Maritime Union of Australia. My union sees the importance of international solidarity with workers anywhere around the globe, but probably particularly with Palestine due to the uh, hardships they face on a daily basis and also the great work the union and the federation are doing for fighting for workers and raising the lot of workers in Palestine. And uh, I've also learnt stories of incredible hardships that no one should ever have to endure. 
and I suppose it uh, really reaffirmed the role the trade unions and other social rights groups play in uh, delivering justice, equality, a voice for positive change, as well as the importance of international solidarity. I'm James Stephen from Unite. I would say I've had an extraordinary lesson in resilience and solidarity from the Palestinian unions. The amount that they're able to organise despite their restrictions and the amount they're able to bring people into union to support each other is incredible, um, especially since they face a lot of restrictions from the authorities around them. And so what they've been able to do is really inspirational. You know, if conditions are poor in country A, then employers in country B are going to look to that and use that as an example for how to treat their employers. And so we need to protect each other through solidarity. My name is Simon Lau, and I am a member of Unifor. Our objective is both to raise the labor standards for our workers back home in Canada, but also workers abroad. So what this mission is about is understanding the current working conditions of our Palestinian brothers and sisters, and to see how we can work collectively to help them improve their working conditions. My name is Ingo Marowski, and I work with the International Transport Workers Federation, ITF. A border crossing project is um, roots in the need of the Palestinian truckers and, mind you, the Israeli truckers on the other side to meet at the border and not cross over the border to ship the goods from one country into the other, from one territory into the other. But for some bizarre reason that history has created, they meet at the border crossing and change over the cargo from one Israeli truck to a Palestinian truck to go into the Palestinian territories and the other way around. From, Palesti from Palestine, they stop at the border crossing, the cargo goes onto an Israeli truck into the Israeli territories. A lack of decent jobs in the world is stalling the eradication of global poverty. There were about 197 million people in the world unemployed last year. That number will increase by more than 3 million in the next two years. And while poverty levels have been reducing, the lack of good jobs threatens further decreases and social unrest. Radio Labour senior correspondent Seamarie Ainsborough reports. With its recently adopted Sustainable Development Goals, the United Nations has set a 15-year agenda to end global poverty. But, according to the UN's International Labour Organization, that goal is impossible to reach without creating decent work for the world's economically poor. Guy Ryder, the first unionist to lead the ILO, told the media that attaining the Sustainable Development Goals, known as the SDGs, is at serious risk. This is because of the current lack of quality jobs and deteriorating economic conditions in a number of regions. The ILO reinforced its call for decent work to enable poverty reduction in a report released this week entitled World Employment and Social Outlook 2016. Stephen Tobin, an ILO economist, was one of the authors of the report. This year's edition of the World Employment and Social Outlook is about transforming jobs to end poverty. What we've seen is that considerable progress has been made in the past few decades in reducing poverty. Yet too many people remain poor and many despite being employed. In fact, close to 2.5 billion people remain in poverty and lifting everyone up to the moderate poverty threshold of $3.10 per day would cost close to $10 trillion between now and 2030. That may sound like a lot, because it is. If you have someone earning only 10 cents per day, they would need an additional $3 per day every day between now and 2030. To close that gap, 
quality jobs, along with social protection, must play a central role. Now here with his report about union events around the world is Labor Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Here's a small sample of the more than 2,200 stories our volunteers collected in the last week. Our top story section included links to news about the escalation of protests against labor law changes in France, union reaction to the impeachment of the president of Brazil, and the release of Iranian teacher union leader Ishmael Abdi after a global campaign to have him freed from prison. We had news of strikes and lockouts in dozens of countries. Here are just a few highlights. Resident doctors in Haiti struck to protest a lack of hospital equipment and supplies. City engineers in Montreal, Canada walked out, snarling traffic and bringing construction in that city to a halt. Port pilots in Cyprus took two hours off work to protest after a colleague was disciplined for criticizing their employer's operations. South African municipal workers were off the job in a protest over the contracting out of their work. Prison guards struck across Belgium to protest their working conditions and prison overcrowding. Air transport workers walked off the job in French Polynesia to press their wage demands. Teachers in Mexico took a day off work to protest education underfunding. And a general strike in Papua New Guinea was held in an effort to pressure the Prime Minister to resign. Our top working women stories included coverage of studies of the long-term effects of austerity policies on women in the UK improvements to maternity leave in Canada, and the push to organize mostly women hairdressers in Australia. Our health and safety newswire carried stories to hundreds of union websites around the world about the efforts to have workplace violence recognized as a hazard in the United States, working conditions in the shipbreaking industry in Pakistan, and a spate of workplace deaths in South African mines and the Indian electricity generation industries. Next week, look for a coverage of possible strikes by airport security staff in the Netherlands, Italian municipal staff, and Namibian education workers. Currently, Labor Start is running six online actions. Take just a few seconds out of your day and join thousands of trade unionists around the world in helping workers make their lives better, or even help save those lives. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. And that's it. International labor news you can use. I'm Mark Boulanger. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity. Okay, this is the B back with you again. Um, that was our, our labor report, the, the one workers uh, international news, independent news focuses on U.S. labor actions. For example, the Verizon strike. 40,000 people on strike against Verizon. Why don't you go down to your local Verizon store and tell the manager there that you support you support the strikers. That all over the country there are people who are in solidarity with those strikers. And then that was followed by the Radio Labor World Report talking about the cooperation between Palestinian truckers and Israeli truckers and how global poverty reduction 
is being stalled by unemployment. I read it, an interesting uh, column in the uh, Investor's Business Daily, and it said that uh, the move to raise people's salaries to $15 an hour was costing jobs, that the poor, beleaguered small business people it's not really about small business people, but they always say that. Poor, beleaguered small business people were having to fire jobs. Actually, by raising people's wages, you were destroying jobs. Of course, they left out the fact that what was happening was that the owners were maintaining their profit levels. So if those owners want to give up some of their profit, they could provide jobs for everybody, just, gen just in general. But no, um, that profit has to happen. That exploitation of people's lives has to happen in order for capitalism to keep uh, rolling on. Why is it whenever... Whenever corporate heads get giant bonuses for losing money or for wrecking their banks, there's only a sort of a mild cry, outcry. But the neocon, quote unquote, philosophers, economic philosophers, <laughs> scream like hell when some poor guy who's making $9 an hour maybe we'll get it raised to 15 over a few years. When you give money to working people, it's wrong, it's bad for the economy. However, the rich and powerful are welcome to whatever they can steal. And I mean steal. Okay, a lot of talk. Here's Prince. Sign of the times. Chances girlfriend came across a needle and soon she did the same. At home there are 17 year old boys and their idea of fun is being in a gang called the Disciples High on Crack, toting a machine gun. church and kill everyone inside you turn on the telly and every other story is telling you somebody died a sister killed a baby cause she couldn't afford to feed it and it was sending people to the moon in september my cousin tried reefer for the very first time now he's doing horse it's june
do you do not do any more black shoe in which I have lived like a foot for 30 years, poor and white, barely daring to breathe or hurt you. Daddy, I have had to kill you. You died before I had time, marble heavy, a bag full of God, ghastly statue with one gray toe big as a Frisco seal and a head in the freakish Atlantic, where it pours bean green over blue in the waters off beautiful Nosset. I used to pray to recover you, ach du, in the German tongue in the Polish town, scraped flat by the roller of wars, wars, wars. But the name of the town is common. My Polak friend says there are a dozen or two. So I never could tell where you put your foot, your root. I never could talk to you. The tongue stuck in my jaw. It's stuck in a barbed wire snare. Eeh, 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 eeh. I could hardly speak. I thought every German was you. And the language obscene, an engine, an engine, chuffing me off like a Jew. A Jew to Dachau, Auschwitz, Belsen. I began to talk like a Jew. I think I may well be a Jew. The snows of the Tyrol, the clear beer of Vienna, are not very pure or true. With my gypsy ancestress and my weird luck and my tarok pack and my tarok pack, I may be a bit of a Jew. I have always been scared of you with your Luftwaffe, your gobbledygoo and your neat moustache and your Aryan eye, bright blue. Panzerman, Panzerman, oh you, not God but a swastika, 
so black no sky could squeak through. Every woman adores a fascist, the boot in the face, the brute, brute heart of a brute like you. You stand at the blackboard, Daddy, in the picture I have of you, a cleft in your chin instead of your foot. But no less a devil for that, no not any less the black man who bit my pretty red heart in two. I was ten when they buried you. At twenty I tried to die and get back, back, back to you. I thought even the bones would do. But they pulled me out of the sack and they stuck me together with glue. And then I knew what to do. I made a model of you, a man in black with a Mein Kampf look and a love of the rack and the screw, and I said, I do, I do. So, Daddy, I'm finally through. The black telephone's off at the root. The voices just can't worm through. If I've killed one man, I've killed two. The vampire who said he was you and drank my blood for a year, seven years, if you want to know. Daddy, you can lie back now. There's a stake in your fat black heart, and the villagers never liked you. They are dancing and stamping on you. They always knew it was you. Daddy, daddy, you bastard, I'm through. You know, every now and then, I think you might like to hear something from us. Nice. Easy. There's just one thing. You see, we never, ever do nothing. Nice. Easy. We always do it. Nice. Rough. But we're going to take the beginning of this song and do it easy. But then we're going to do the finish. Rough. The way we do. Proud Mary. And we're rolling. Rolling. Rolling on the river. Listen to the story. Left a good job in the city. Working for the man. A working man on the Mississippi. And I never lost one minute of sleep. Working women, too. About the way that things might have been. You know that big wheel keep on turning. Proud Mary keep on
That was what you call a mixed bag. Um, we started out with Prince, Sign of the Time, still another song about still another murder by police in Baltimore of a young black man. The thing that brought down Greg Sewer, the thing that might bring down Mayor Ed Lee. You can't go along and say business as usual when police are shooting down unarmed people in the street. In this latest case, the one that I guess you could say it sunk Greg Sewer, who was, by the way, uh, lauded by several people who knew him uh, when he was a beat officer. Uh, London Breed, one of the supervisors, knew Greg Sewer. He was a good guy. <laughs> what Mr. Sewer could not get control of, which is the culture of violence within the police department. Anyway, this is what brought Greg Sewer down, a 27-year-old young black woman who was confronted by police because they thought the car she was driving was stolen, got into a uh, conversation with her, then just shot her down. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) this can't go on. Let's see if we... We have something apropos of that. Um, A little Lenny Bruce routine about how the law started and how uh, how um, the the public officials who aren't involved in the actual uh, in the actual um, Murders uh, take the hypocritical position that oh, geez, we can't have that. So it wasn't it wasn't the supervisors who removed Chief Sewer. It was the supervisors responding to community pressure. Uh, let's see if I can find this. In any case, before that we had. Uh, Right after that, we had a poet protesting against the male principle, the jackbooted, violent uh, male. In this case, uh, the male who wrecks lives and who murders people and who is in love with order. Okay, let's see. Lenny Bruce. Um, We heard this earlier. How the law got started. Here we go. The law is like a grocery store. That's where it's at. I want protection of law number 63 under order 22. That's it. That was... We all start, and we have a community. Okay, let's see. Uh, we'll have some rules. Solid, okay. We'll have law. We got to have some law? All right. What's the law we got to have? Okay. We'll sleep in area A. That cool? Okay, all right. That's a law. We'll eat in area B. Good. That's a law. Okay. Eat in area C. Good. 
Right? No. Well, sleep, eat, crap in Area C, right? A, B, C, eat, sleep, crap. All agreed? All agreed. Okay, that's the law, don't forget it. All right, eat, sleep, and crap. We all agree on it. All right. Now we go to sleep. Guy wakes up with a face full of crap. Pow! Say, <laughs> hey, what's the deal? Am I eating in the wrong place or crapping in where I'm sleeping or what is it? It's a, is this A over here? I got a face full of crap. So I don't know, we all voted on it and agreed to crap here and... Uh, well, wait a minute, that's... Uh, you know what we did, it's... What we did, we had a constitution, that's it. That's, that's the rule we are. We have to have something to enforce it, that's it. Hey, yeah, that's it. We gotta. We have to have a remedy. If anybody craps on you, we have to have to wipe it off. Of course, that's it. All right. This is it. The remedy. Okay. If anybody throws any crap on us while we're sleeping or eating, they get thrown in the crap house. That's a remedy that'll keep the crap off us. Okay. All agreed. Because well, everybody gets thrown in the crap house. Yeah. But what if it's exceptions? Suppose it's a poor old lady and uh, she couldn't make it to the crap house. And uh, what the hell has that got to do with it? The old ladies. Uh, well, well, oh, you don't understand. This isn't to do with old ladies. This is to keep crap off us. And this—I didn't tell you about no punishment. That's—that's that's enough for the court to listen to it. You think those? The old lady, if she's got an excuse for crapping, then she don't pay the penalty. But at least she's got an answer for the crapping. Yeah? All right, okay, sorry. Now they go to sleep, everybody's happy. Guy wakes up, face full of crap, pow! But he wakes up, he sees he's all alone. And he looks, and everybody else is having a big party and singing with candles, and that's a deal. So we had a rule, I'm sleeping with a face full of crap, it's always oh, a religious holiday. <laughs> what? So yeah, it's a holiday, it's religious. Oh, I'm separating the church and the state right now. Pow! <laughs> There's the law law, and the church law will be there. But the, our law will be the supreme law. Nothing controversial, that, all right? Solid, okay. Now they're going along very cool. Now, uh, now guys starts to get bugged because they took turns, see, throwing people in the crap house. Now, it, was, it wasn't a regular thing, like it was a small tribe on weekends. The guy said, okay, you, you got the crap house duty uh, this weekend, you know, anyway, you throw them in the crap house, okay. Now they have a meeting. Guys said, look, I'm having a little problem here. Now, a lot of you guys, who get the duty, you come from the outlands there, you work on the farms. When you throw these people in the crap house, you never see them again. But I gotta sell cars to some of these assholes. <laughs> now, when I got the duty and a guy throws crap out of sleep and I throw him in the crap house, when I go to sell him a car, he goes, fuck you! <laughs> you threw me in the crap house. I said, I didn't throw you in the crap house, doing a job, are you, are you kidding with that? So you don't wanna hear that shit. Keep saying, that I threw him in a crap house and I can't sell him a car. So no matter what I tell him, it don't work. So we gotta get somebody else to throw him in a crap house but me. So 
So let's get somebody who will we'll have a, somebody who enforce the law and that'll just be a department to do that. All right, let's get, sorry, now they start to interview guys. All right, look, here's the job, fellas. We want to get some sleep, that's number one. Now, we find out without any law, we crap on each other. The only thing to save us from each other is law. So, we got to get somebody to enforce it, and we want somebody to throw these people in the crap house and they throw crap house, right? That's that easy. But look, don't do it in front of me. Now, here's a stick and a gun, and you do it. But if I happen to be around, see, and you're going to throw in the crap house, you throw in the crap house, but I'll have to give you some bullshit like, you know, boy, oh boy, Gestapo. <laughs> but it takes a certain kind of mentality to do that work, right? So, Boy, anybody want to do that to somebody, you know? But you just throw them right in the shit. The reason for the law, you know, you know, uh, the law and order, you know. There's the law. And I'll be in the back room, I'll be watching through the Venetian blinds there, you know. Okay, that's cool. Okay, now you get a few more rules, you know, it gets a little more complex. Another rule, another rule, another rule. Now you got like about, you know, maybe 1,200 laws. Okay, now you get demonstration, right? Now there's 10,000 people wailing their ass off. Okay, now it goes like, law so-and-so and so. Nobody, uh, nobody in public streets, blah, blah, blah. Nobody in the post office steps. Solid, uh, okay. Garbage patrol comes out. Okay, nobody in the post office steps. Get out of here, bap, 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 bap. Okay, now, now you got people just wear sticks and stones. Then you got a cop there who's 23 years old. He's got a short sleeve shirt on, a stick in his hand. People don't get stopped with him. He's got stopped you asshole, I'm the mailman. <laughs> what do you want from me? Lenny Bruce and his take on how the law started and um, the law started with, the police started with the appointment or the establishment of a group of soldiers is what they are. People who will do what they're told by the power elite without taking conscientious positions themselves. In other words, these people are tools of the power elite. Like the guy said, we need someone to enforce the law. Here's the job. And if you beat somebody up, we might call you Gestapo, but don't listen to that. You just do the work and we'll take care of you. Well, Ed Lee realized that he couldn't take care of Greg Sewer anymore. So 
We have a new chief of police in San Francisco. Will it make any difference? I doubt it. I doubt it. The whole idea of policing in the United States developed around the idea of catching uh, and arresting uh, fugitive slaves and returning them to their masters. Okay, month of May, another month of May. Figure that we honor is Augusto Sandino, born on May 18th. This is a little documentary about the life and work of Sandino. called The Return of the Old Marine. Seven years old. I was born in New York in the United States of America of working class parents. I joined the Marine Corps when I was 18 years old and came on the United States ship Ogallala through the Panama Canal to Corinto. And Corinto, along with 300 other Marines, we marched to Lyon and then to Managua, in, often in dust up to our knees. Uh, when we got to Managua, we were put into Campo de Marte, which was on top of the hill overlooking Managua. Uh, then we started to fight the Sandinistas, which we were told were bandits. And uh, we started to help the conservative forces to try to kill Sandino and his men. We committed very many atrocities against the Nicaraguan people. We killed women and children. We killed men, we burned houses, we raped women. I personally took part in rapes of women. One time, 19 Marines raped one woman in Managua. We burned houses, we put bombs into houses. We killed poor people. We didn't know what side they were on, but we killed them anyway. And. Um, we, uh, uh, we lived like animals. We were animals. Our, uh, we got uh, drunk every night, many times borracho. We went to cantinas with putas and drank all the time drinking. 
and not thinking very much for ourselves. And the propaganda we heard all the time was that uh, Sandino was a bandit and uh, Samosa was a patriot. Uh, we've chased Sandino all over Nicaragua with aviones, with troops. We tried to buy traders. No campesinos would, uh, would uh, inform on Sandino, even when we put a gun to their head. They refused to talk. Even when we shot them, uh, shot their woman, their children, they would not tell where Sandino was. We searched all over, in the mountains, patrols. Many of our Marines were killed, and uh, uh, we still committed terrible acts of atrocities against the Nicaraguan people. We ran their railroads, and we took the money from the railroad and gave it to the banks. We took the money from the fincas, the coffee, the sugar, uh, other things, and we gave it to the fruit company, United Fruit, and other companies. Um, we uh, tried to drown the struggle, Sandino's struggle and the, his army in blood, but we did not succeed. Uh, finally, we had to leave. We were forced to leave, but we were losing too many men, not only from Sandino and the bullets, but from sickness, from malaria, typhoid, typhus, blackwater fever, tetanus, other things. And uh, finally, the United States decided that the situation was safe for the banks and for Samosa. We trained the National Guard. I personally trained the National Guard, with, and I was a commandante in the National Guard with other Marines. And we trained them to be as crazy as we were. Okay, we're going to interrupt this a minute. This is an American Marine telling about the work of the Marines in Nicaragua uh, in opposition to Augusto We San finally Nino. left. In 1928, most of us, only a few remained till 1933, and finally the Samosa, Samosis, oh, we also ran an election, a fake election on which I was the chairman of a district, Managua, and uh, I told the different partidos there, which I spoke very little Spanish, I took my pistola out and put it on the table and said, this is the law, esto es la ley. No quiero palabras con ustedes. The, uh, the election will be run como yo lo quiero. And I, under the table, we went and put Moncada in as presidente, but he was only a running dog for Samosa. Uh, after we left, they made him a general Samosa embraced him, Uno Brasso, and uh, the others, uh, I forget, uh, who were in the government, and they applauded him, and a few days later, they shot him, assassinated him. And the United States applauded. They said they were the originators of the assassination. Then uh, 
we began to build up the Samosa government. But any money we sent there, or any material, he distributed only among his close friends, who were all merely robots of the American imperialists. And um, the banks flourished, the Fincas got bigger, Samosa grabbed more and more land, the poor uh, peasants, the campesinos got nothing except misery and death. And uh, so it went until the revolution. Thank God for the revolution. I went back to the States. I began to work for a living and get involved in trade unions, sindicatos, and welgas, strikes against the capitalists. And I began to think for myself that Sandino was a hero, a patriot. And, uh, and then I went to Spain, and I learned more in the struggle against fascismo, the, uh, the Brigadas Internacionales, Abraham Lincoln Brigade. We fought the fascists, Mussolini, Hitler, Franco. And we lost the war, but we won the victory, because later come a good king and a socialist premier and Franco is dead, and the Republic will live again. And uh, then I fought in World War II con um, the uh, United States Air Force, Los Angeles, contra los Nazis, fascismo. And uh, this place, uh, and afterwards I came back to the United States, and I went to work in motion pictures for United Artists and Universal, uh, making publicity for the pictures for about 20 years. And then I got, uh, I got called before the Senate of the United States who wanted to investigate me. And um, I lost my job, I lost my work. And I raised a family, a wife and two children, we had a beautiful life. They are still alive. And I feel very happy that I came back to Nicaragua to see for myself how the revolution has progressed and what it is doing for the campesinos and the people of Nicaragua. And it's a very wonderful thing to see the difference between the revolutionaries, the Sandinistas, and those old bastards of Samosa and the imperialists. And okay, that was a remarkable <clears throat> document of an old Marine who went and fought in Nicaragua on the side of the fascists, helped install Samosa, talked about how he ran an election, and uh, later on... Uh, changed his mind about the struggle going on around the world, even taking part in the work of uh, unions after World War II. And uh, returning to Nicaragua, so Augusto Sandino, we'll have more about Sandino. This is like uh, the month for it, huh? want to make sure and play this one. 
This is uh, one I just found this week. Uh, one of the real pioneers of the blues, certainly of the rock blues and rock and roll, Sister Rosetta Tharp. Um, African-American, queer guitar player, one of the main influences on early rockers like uh, Little Richard, Chuck Berry. Here she is. Here's a Chuck Berry in there. Rosetta Tharp, here's a, a personal one. Goes out to my soulmate, Sylvia Ramirez. Never know how much I love you. Never know how much I care When you put your arms around me I get a fever that's so hard to bear You give me fever 
I think back on old Fred Thompson, the editor of The Industrial Worker. Man did uh, a hard time in San Quentin Federal Penitentiary in the 20s as a political prisoner for, for, for my union. And uh, Fred talks, talked to me sitting in the office in Chicago years ago about the First World War and the Espionage Act and the mass deportations without any due process and 5,000 uh, union brothers and sisters in jail, uh, the beatings, the lynchings said worse than anything we're going through right now, see. But we still came out of it with the structure of the eight-hour day, mine safety laws and child labor laws. And you roll on up into the Great Depression, grinding oppression, I mean, right down on the bottom. But you have the birth of the CIO and the progressive movement and what came out of that awful time, Social Security, workman's compensation, minimum wage, unemployment insurance, things unheard of anywhere. Huh? 
to come up through the war and into, into McCarthy times, the Red Scare, the arc beginning of the Cold War, when they tried to destroy the labor movement completely. And we came out of that. We did, we survived, we came out of that, and we came out with the Civil Rights Movement. I think back on old Fred Thompson, Philadelphia, speaking at a mill, and they brought little kids to her, the workers, part of their hands missing, uh, cut off by the machines to scalp, hair caught in the machines and pulled their scalps off. She flew into a rage, went down to the Philadelphia Inquirer, said, we've got to expose this. The editor said, we can't do it because people own the newspaper, own the mill. Hasn't changed much, has it? Did she write to Congress? Did she start a petition drive? No, she got 100 of those kids together, marched with their parents and chaperones, marched overland 100 miles to New York City, caught the ferry across to Long Island, and those kids camped on President Theodore Roosevelt's front lawn to embarrass him into coming out in favor of child labor laws. Direct action gets the goods. And, and, and Eugene V. Debs, uh, you know, who I'm going to be having a meal over here at Turner's, over at the old Turnverein, where Gene Debs started, founded the Socialist Party of the United States. Uh, I, I love that man. There was never a man more loved in this country than Eugene V. Debs. There in court, you know, telling the judge when he was on his way to jail uh, for objecting to the First World War as a boss's war, and he looked at the judge and said, while there's a lower class, I am in it. While there's a criminal class, I am of it. While there's a soul in prison, I am not free. And on up to Maurice Sugar and the sit-down strikes of the 1930s in Detroit and Flint, Michigan, on and on. These people, I see them as they were building a boat. They were building a ship. And none of them believed they would ever sail on it. But it was no excuse not to build it. When they got too old and broken, tired to build anymore on that boat, they passed the skills and the tools on to the younger ones, and they kept building the boat. And now those tools are passed on to our times. They're in our hands, and we keep building that boat. When our turn comes, we'll pass those tools along, and someday that ship is going to sail. Someday that ship is going to sail to a world of economic justice and peace, and you can count on that too. Utah Phillips there, talking about a ship's gonna sail and uh, delving into the past of the uh, labor movement. Talking about Eugene Debs and uh, how beloved uh, Debs was. This is The Bee, and you're listening to Mutiny Radio, social justice radio for the Bay and beyond, but a whole lot more. Mutiny is a space, mutiny is a state of mind, Mutiny is a collective, and so much more. Come on down to Mutiny Radio where it's happening, where people are doing it for love. Okay, it's just about time for me to to uh, 
sign off here and as usual uh, we'll go out with the Internacional but before that I'd like to remember the 137 workers in the United States who will die today on the job or because of work-related conditions if you look around the world that number is 2,500 today 2,000 working people because of things that happen on the job accidents lack of a safe workplace or conditions things like black lung or silica siliconosis um, conditions that they got uh, because and, and during their work. There's a whole lot more we didn't do today. I wanted to remember the general strike in Minneapolis, Minnesota, the general strike in the United States, the great lynchings, 237 African Americans lynched in 1919 in Arkansas and what what did they want to do? Why did they get lynched? Well, of course they were lynched for being black and rising up at that time in that place, but they formed a union. They worked together, they organized and uh, the racist classist power structure in Arkansas destroyed them, 237 of them. More on that next week, and here's Kerry Miraji. Remember, this is Labor and Love, where we tell you how it is. If one person, if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, another person worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table, that is, where you work, you're probably on the menu. You can bet on that. And never, but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Okay, shout out to everybody. To Sylvia, to Vita, to Suni, congratulations. We got a lawyer in the family. And to everybody else out there, Remember, the world belongs to us. All we got to do is stand up and take it. You're only alone when you don't stand up. And if you stay seated, you'll be counted as standing up for sitting down. Bye-bye, everybody. Have a good week and good work.
Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for me five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? <laughs> it's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> Want to go to Burning Man, but you don't have the right goggles, costume, or attitude? Visit 20 Mission Hive at 2415 Mission Street between 20th and 21st in the heart of the Mission District. Easily accessible by BART, this collective of unique artists and vendors has eclectic handmade clothing, leatherwork, artisan jewelry, antiques, crystals, and there's even an amazing florist. Whisper pirate ship to your 20 Mission Hive vendor for a special 10% discount on the coolest, most original items in San Francisco. That's 20 Mission Hive with eight vendors and like them on Facebook at 20 Mission Hive. 20 Mission Hive for awesome events and updates. The dictionary definition of the adjective eclectic is selecting or choosing from various sources. When Bay Area musician J.D. Buell brings you Morning Train Wednesday, 10 a.m. to noon on Mutiny Radio, that is exactly what he does. 
Select music from various sources to give you a unique listening experience. Rock, pop, jazz, bluegrass, gospel, funk, reggae, folk, blues, country and western, electronica, soul, disco, rhythm and blues, punk and post-punk. Come together with music from around the world with Buell's passionate and down-to-earth delivery. In an age of personal music delivery systems, J.D. Buell carries on the values of progressive FM radio when a listener could actually have a relationship with a programmer, someone who would create an eclectic musical environment where in both listener and host find fulfillment. The Morning Train with J.D. Buell, Wednesday, 10 to noon on mutinyradio.fm. Freeform radio for free minds. an underground space for an event? Look no further than mutinyradio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsidai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Trying to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me. And oh, I feel so lucky. Well, hey there, San Francisco. If you're looking for some delicious late-night food, I suggest you mosey on down to Bender's Bar. Inside, you can find Counter Offer, offering you amazing late-night food and snacks. Try the chicken biscuit. It's like your stomach's in a tasty tornado. They have exceptionally great daily ground sustainable burgers with sides of tater tots, grilled asparagus, and delicious zucchini. And creamy, delicious mac and cheese. You like tacos? Then get them. And from the specials, very deep fried fish sandwich to a stoner burger with a donut bun. What are those crazy potheads going to come up with next? Go to the counter offer inside of Brenda's Bar at 800 South Van Ness Avenue, San Francisco. It's located between 19th Street and 20th Street in the Mission District. Open seven nights a week from 5 to 10 p.m. or later. Counter offer, son. Subliminal SS. 
Dev brings you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. Oh, happy hour. What could be happier than 23 comics doing jokes for each other and at a radio listening audience? Puppets, kittens, unicorns, porn maybe? Oh, well, stage time makes them happy. And this super happy comedy open mic is open every Friday from 6 to 8 p.m. Hey folks, it's uh, the Flat Black Plastic Show on mutinyradio.fm.